0: The following program is produced and sponsored by Cancer Treatment Centers of America. The information discussed during this program is not medical advice. Be sure to talk to your medical doctor for information and advice relating to your health. Welcome to Health, Hope, and Inspiration. I'm Wayne Shepherd with Reverend Percy McRae, Director of Faith-Based Programs at Cancer Treatment Centers of America. So good to have you joining us now. Uh, Percy, let's talk about lifestyle factors in cancer today.
1: Well, when we talk about the word lifestyle, I think what's operative here for us to embrace is the fact that if there's something that's associated with one's lifestyle, that means that we have some measure of control over Mm -hmm. that. Ownership and the ability to participate in countering some things. If it's part of our lifestyle. And I think that that's going to be an important element with regard to today's conversation. Yeah,
0: you're going to be talking with Carolyn Lammersfeld today. Carolyn is a frequent guest here on the podcast with us, a very helpful guest. She is. And I've previewed the conversation. This is going to be good. It really is going to be good. So we look forward to that in just a moment. So don't go anywhere. Mm. Uh, You'll hear our guest coming up on Health, Hope, and Inspiration. This podcast is available, of course, to subscribe to. You can do that through our website, healthhopeandinspiration.com. And while you're at the website, why not download our free resource, which goes right hand in hand with our topic today?
1: Absolutely, because it talks about uh, recipes and foods associated with cancer and the possibility or plausibility of fighting cancer. These are just recommendations. They are not exhaustive, and they certainly are not intended to be perceived as a cure or treatment for cancer. These recommendations help with potentially modifiable risk factors, and Wayne, that term will make more sense during the interview today.
0: There are some good things ahead here. If you or someone you love is fighting cancer, consider Cancer Treatment Centers of America. They treat the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. With hospitals in Atlanta, Chicago, Philadelphia, Phoenix, and Tulsa, they take an integrative approach to cancer care. They use conventional medical treatments to attack the disease while helping patients manage side effects and maintain their quality of life by using evidence-informed therapies like nutrition and naturopathic support, along with pastoral care, pain management, and other supportive care services. Treatments are tailored for each patient's specific needs. Visit our website, healthhopeandinspiration.com, and click on Sponsor to learn more about Cancer Treatment Centers of America or contact one of their friendly oncology information specialists about questions you may have about your treatment options by simply calling 866-712-HOPE. That's 866-712-HOPE. Cancer Treatment Centers of America uses state-of-the-art technologies to deliver precision medicine, personalized care, and spiritual support. You can learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Just before we hear from our guest today, Percy, let's, as we always do, open the scriptures to guide our conversation.
1: Yeah, our spiritual nugget for today is found, again, and this is our standby scripture anytime we talk about uh, taking ownership of our bodies. First Corinthians, the sixth chapter verses 19 and 20 that says this to us and gives us a charge. Don't you know? I love how this scripture starts. Don't you know? There's something we should know. What is it? That your body, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you whom you have from God. You are not your own, for you were bought at a price. So glorify God, not just with your spirit, but also with your body. In other words, there's something that we should be doing with our physical bodies, and we're going to talk about that today.
0: Right. Perfect verses to fit right in with our conversation on lifestyle factors and cancer. Let's hear from our guest today. Here's Percy.
1: Well, hey, I am excited again to have with us Carolyn Lammersfeld, who... Uh, has been on the show many, many times before. And I think at this point she is our favorite uh, person to interview. And she is certainly one of my favorite people who I've known a long time uh, to talk about all things with regard to integrative care uh, as it results to cancer. So welcome back to the show, Carolyn. How are you, dear?
2: I'm well. Thank you for having me, Reverend McCray.
1: Well, again, you are the Vice President of Integrative Care Services at Cancer Treatment Centers of America, and uh, you are located in, in the Chicago uh, region, and you've been working out of that uh, area for quite a while. And today we want to talk about uh, lifestyle factors in cancer. We continue to to try to generate really good information uh, that will help uh, this audience obviously from a faith-based perspective, but also from really a good knowledge-based perspective. And one of the things that uh, is always a conversation of concern uh, that I think that people should be aware of is, you know, is being able to empower people. What can I do or what can uh, individuals do with regard to the possibilities of cancer? And certainly uh, lifestyle factors is something that people, Uh, Can engage around. So, we're going to talk about today lifestyle factors and cancer. And before we get into anything specific, I actually want to read uh, an opening statement from the National Cancer Institute that I think will help frame our discussion today. And so, according to the National Cancer Institute, uh, they basically stated this that it is usually not possible to know exactly why one person develops cancer and another doesn't. But research has shown that, that certain risk factors may increase a person's chance of developing cancer. There are also factors that are linked to a lower risk of cancer. These are sometimes called protective risk factors or just protective factors. Cancer risk factors include exposure to chemicals or other substances, as well as certain behaviors. They also include things people cannot control, cannot control like age and family history. Uh, They also stated that a family history of certain cancers can be a sign of a possible inherited cancer syndrome with that as an opening statement to kind of uh, lead us down this direction, Carolyn. What are some of your opening thoughts concerning um, the statement from the NCI concerning lifestyle factors in cancer, dear?
2: I find inc- encouragement um, with regards to lifestyle risk factors. Uh, we also call them modifiable risk factors. Correct.
1: You've taught me that term. You're exactly right.
2: Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, and as you stated in your opening comments, um, you know, these are ones you have some control over that can give you some control. Um, where you can address them and potentially reduce the risk of developing some cancers. So, for example, if you smoke, uh, you know, you can work on quitting um, versus, as you said, you, you can't necessarily reverse your age or, you know, change your family history. You can do things like um, genetic counseling and testing and, and, you know, again, work with modifiable risk factors and a, a plan to help um, reduce risk. Um, But with that said, I also want to recognize that I realize, you know, some of these modifiable risk factors, changing them, it's often easier said than done because they involve changing behaviors, which we maybe have developed over a long period of time and will take some time to change um, depend depends also on the you know stage of motivation where you are um, in your life at the time mm. and and the need for reinforcement in your environment in your social circles, et cetera. So um, but I find it encouraging that there are things we, we can control and try and change.
1: Well, a couple of things. First of all, you're right. You've taught us over uh, several uh, conversations again about things from a modifiable perspective that that gives us encouragement uh, around things that potentially we can take ownership of and engage with. Uh, And again, obviously, uh, motivation, social environment all uh, plays into that. And you mentioned one of those modifiable uh, lifestyle factors. And I want to go through a list that actually the NCI have uh, they have uh, given and provided that includes uh, 12 of the most studied or known or suspected risk factors for cancer. Uh, and uh, we're not going to go through all of those, obviously, but we'll highlight a couple of those that uh, I think are near and dear to to your expertise of, of, of your, your training and your background. But let's first just kind of go through this list kind of quickly. And if there's anything that stands out be, uh, beyond the two that I want to highlight, uh, you certainly can feel free to kind of add some commentary too. But first and foremost, uh, the 12... Um, Uh, modifiable suspected risk factors for cancer, according to the NCI, is this. Age, alcohol, cancer-causing substances, uh, chronic inflammation, diet, hormones, uh, immunosuppression, infectious agents, obesity, radiation, sunlight, and tobacco. Those are the 12 that are listed on their website. That they highlight again as known or suspected risk factors for cancer, and two of those obviously are, are are more aligned in your wheelhouse of your background. And maybe it'll be important for us to give the audience again just a little quick insight to your background. You are a clinical and licensed uh, nutritionist and oncology uh, dietitian. Is that correct?
2: That is correct.
1: And so again, with
2: how many years experience and et cetera. Uh, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be dating myself but about
1: 34 oh (laughs) let's
2: say over 30 just
1: let's just say over 30 let's just say over 30 yeah yeah and so uh your background uh particularly around the the subject of nutrition food dietary etc etc so uh out of those 12 uh obviously there are two areas that more align with kind of your background to a certain extent that's diet and obesity and so uh, although some of these risk factors can be avoided, others such as uh, growing older cannot. Uh, and in the NCI states that uh, that limiting your exposure to avoidable risk factors may lower your risk of developing certain types of cancer. So, again, that's one of the things that, again, I think I heard in your voice the excitement of being encouraged around. But let's talk about specifically, unless there's something else that jumps off of that list that you'd like to chime in on, uh, two of the 12 risk factors that were just mentioned, and of course, diet and obesity. Uh, those areas, again, are in your wheelhouse of expertise that you have worked directly with regard to direct engagement and instruction and uh, motivation from a nutritional perspective. Let's talk about them a little more specifically. First and foremost, uh, let's provide for the audience, because for me, when I hear this term and I've heard others who have also echoed the same school of thought, that there's a lot of different definitions that people have of what obesity is. So let's clarify from a clinical perspective, uh, what is obesity from a clinical perspective?
2: Sure, absolutely. And 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 yeah, just I, as we had, when we address diet, we'll also address alcohol. And then, you know, as we get into this obesity discussion, we you, we'll actually will hit probably hormones and inflammation a little bit. Cool. So we'll cover a, co- a few of those other areas Great. in addressing the two. So, but you're right, there are, there are a number of definitions and, and probably the shortest one from a clinical perspective that I like is, you know, obesity is um, the presence of excess body fat that may have a negative effect on health. Um, and in this case, you know, for this discussion, potentially the development of some cancers. Um, so a level of fat associated with disease um, so body mass index BMI okay. is, you know, you know, is one, um, marker, if you will, of obesity, where there's quite a bit of literature showing associations between high BMI and development of some cancers, um, and other chronic illnesses. Uh, we think of BMI, I mean, the literature shows the association. We think of BMI as a, a good screening tool. So it's a calculation looking at your weight and your height, um, you can easily find a calculator online, and I was going to ask:
1: Can people find a way that they could calculate their BMI? Or do they need to actually have a conversation with uh, a registered nutritionist?
2: Yeah, not not. I mean, you actually can, or you can have the you know conversation with your primary care physician, you know, your healthcare provider. But you have you can go online and just um, search BMI calculator, and you'll all you have to put in is your height and your weight, and you'll get a a number. And then usually, the you know, with the calculator, there's also um, a chart that'll kind of show you what that number means. So in adults, um, a BMI uh, between 25 and less than 30 is, is in the overweight category mm. and over, you know, greater than or equal to 30 is in the obese care category. So that that's one way to see, you know, if you might, you know, might have that excess fat that we're concerned with, and then you would still want to follow up with your, your you know, your provider, because it's not a perfect uh, screening tool. So somebody who played football you know, may have a high BMI, um, but they have a lot of muscle mass right. and they don't necessarily have excess fat. And there are people who look perfectly um, like they, you know, w- what we call skinny fat, you know, where they actually look like, <laughs> you know, they, they may be okay, but they actually don't have a lot of muscle and, you know, too much fat even for their size. So, so that's one way you can also look at waist size. So ah. if you have a me- a measuring tape, um, a waist of greater than 35 inches for women. And greater than forty in men is another marker that's been, you know, associated with increased risk related to obesity. Um, and then, you know, you c- there are ways to have your body composition tested, um, and that w- you you would usually want to discuss with. Your healthcare provider, a registered dietitian, or potentially a gym. You know, some gyms have Uh. uh, maybe, you know, some may have uh, the more sophisticated, like a DEXA scan or water displacement. But many of them have calipers where they pinch several areas um, and then do some calculations and and let you know what your you know what your body fat. Um, percentage is. And there's also something called bioelectrical impedance analysis. So there are other ways to look at that. And then we're, you know, kind of there, we're looking at actual percentage of body fat, and if it's higher than we'd like to see.
1: Okay. And I bring that up because, again, jokingly, I know when I was growing up as a kid on the south side of Chicago, you know, uh, some of the bigger kids will say, hey, I'm not fat. I'm just big boned. You know, so again, (laughs) how how we view and I think more importantly, how we correctly define. Obesity is is really an important factor, so I appreciate you giving some clarity uh, to defining what is obesity and how do we establish uh, that as being a legitimate dynamic for one to really look at and then to 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 monitor themselves by. So, having said that, then what are some of the key things? Uh, because again, obesity, and then we talk about dieting or diet and uh, in, in whatever context, what are some of the key things? Uh, that individuals should know about maintaining a proper diet, because again, uh, a proper diet obviously will help with the management of excess weight gain. So let's talk about diet in that context, and what say you from an oncology nutritional perspective about the whole element of diet and the role that it plays with regard to obesity?
2: Sure, and and I always like to say you know a diet is really a lifestyle so I first and foremost I think people individuals need to find a diet or eating plan that fits their lifestyle uh, and that will help them achieve and maintain a healthy body weight um, now that will also likely include activity yeah. you know that's in, that's important sure. um, but from a diet standpoint you know in the oncology world oncology nutrition world w- you know we the American Institute for Cancer Research um, and you'll see the same type of information from the american cancer society the national cancer institute um, but the american institute for cancer research has been putting out reports uh since 1997 every decade mm. um look, looking at you know a decade or the previous de- decade worth of evidence and, and and really it points to a plant-focused diet okay. um whatever that means for you as an individual so trying to incorporate more whole grains vegetables fruits and beans um, and limiting fast foods, processed foods, high in fat, refined carbohydrates, sugar. Trying to um, avoid or limit processed meats um, and reduce red meat consumption, and then um, sugary beverages. And if you drink alcohol at all, it should be in moderation, which is you know one drink for women, two drinks for men. Okay. Um, so, so you know there, are, there, are, there. Are that method of eating is has been associated with helping with achieving and maintaining a healthy body weight. And then, of course, all those foods have fiber, vitamins, minerals, phytochemicals, which may have um, impact on our cells as well to keep them healthy and prevent damage to the DNA or the genetic material in our cells.
1: And so I'm going to extrapolate one key uh, term out of that uh, piece of information that's plant-based. Plant-based does not, and correct me if I'm right, necessarily mean uh, being vegan per se, uh, help us out a little bit with that distinction.
2: Correct. Exactly. You know, it, it basically means, you know, when you're looking at planning meals and your plate that, you know, maybe two thirds of your plate would be plant foods and one third, you know, or a smaller, smaller portion would be an animal food, if you will, a lean meat or a, a poultry. Um, but again, I, you know, that it looks different for everybody. So if you're, you know, if you're eating a typical a Western diet, mm. um, and and you're not used to eating beans, you know. Maybe that means you have, we, you know, we you see it out there, meatless Monday. Right. So it doesn't necessarily have to be Monday, but one day a week you start eating more vegetarian or um, plant proteins like beans, and then you know increase as tolerated based on how your digestive system um, gets used to eating that that much fiber, yep. um, and 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 how you can fit it into your lifestyle. Oh. So, but really, you know, it means low. Two thirds of your plate being plant foods, vegetables, fruits, whole grains, beans, um, and then, you know, a third or a much smaller portion than we typically see uh, as as animal foods.
1: Okay, And I believe one of the ways that you help to kind of correlate that from a uh, uh, an example that one can think about is. Uh, consuming food that does not have a label upon it, if that's more of the percentage of the food that you consume versus uh, foods that have a label on a can that's processed, uh, will help us to be able to create the correct ratio and balance of thought there, correct?
2: Exactly. Exactly.
1: Okay, so that being said, then let's discuss this and let's have a quick conversation around the correlation between uh, weight gain and cancer. So we've defined what obesity is. We've defined, you know, what from a diet perspective, from a oncology perspective, some things to be thought of. What is the actual correlation between uh, weight gain and cancer? From a I guess a metabolic perspective uh, or a medical perspective, what is that correlation?
2: Yeah, absolutely, um, yeah. So we do know that excess body fat has been associated with increased risk of uh, at least thirteen cancers. And you hit you hit the nail on the head. It's it's the, it's, it's metabolic. So uh, what we know is fat cells. We, you know, in the past we thought of fat as sort of um, not necessarily an active any an active organ or or really producing any metabolic activity. And now we know that fat cells produce hormones like estrogen and estrogen and can cause higher levels of insulin, um, and other inflammatory agents. So you mentioned inflammation early, earlier on, Mm. um, which all may affect cell growth and risk of cancer. So, you know, losing weight may lower, um, uh, well, you lose weight, you, you know, you lower the, or decrease the fat cells and then decrease the circulating amount of estrogen, insulin, and other inflammatory agents that can cause changes to our cells.
1: ah uh-huh. Okay. All right. So, the, and it's important, I think, because, again, this is not necessarily trying to shame anyone from a food perspective. I know I hear this right. a lot at restaurants now. Don't food shame me. Don't food shame me. And so <laughs> we're, we're really trying to understand that that connection, and uh, that really is helpful in terms of, and again, I want to make sure that we highlight this point as well, uh, because we have talked quite a bit on this show over the years about diet, food consumption, cancer, and et cetera, that as a disclaimer, and I believe you also taught me this, so many things you've taught me over the years, is that uh, diet modification in it of itself, is that a sure way to reduce the risk of cancer or the fight against cancer or not? <laughs>
2: Uh, yeah, I would say it's definitely not a, a sure way to, you know, to avoid or, you know, getting cancer or prevent cancer. Um, but as you know, as we, st- you know, started it, it is a modifiable risk fa- risk factor that, um, again, by, by addressing, uh, a number of the things we talked about, weight, eating more of, of the plant-based foods, yeah. um, you're, you're at least, um, from what the literature shows us potentially reducing your risk of developing many cancers um and you know one of the encouraging there uh, we need much more research you know to sort of see mm. um you know if weight loss reduces the risk of cancer later on you know that does this changing your eating pattern uh reduce the risk of cancer or you know, help people avoid cancer. And uh, I'm encouraged by something I was alerted to today some break, kind of breaking news, ah. if you will, um, of a study that will be uh, presented at ASCO, the American Society of Clinical Oncology.
1: Right, uh, here. In Chico- right, right here. Right here in
2: Chicago. Yeah, yeah, right in here June. on Health,
1: Hope, and Inspiration. Some breaking news. Let's hear it. Break-
2: <laughs> you got it. Yeah. So so it's a, a, stud- a diet study, actually, um, a balanced low fat diet. Uh, reduce the risk of death from breast cancer in postmenopausal women. So this is the federally funded women's health initiative. So clinical trial uh, of dietary modification in about about 49,000 postmenopausal women um, with no previous history of breast cancer. They followed a diet similar to what we've been discussing, low in fat, daily servings of fruits, vegetables, and grains, and they had a 21% lower risk of death death from breast cancer wow. than women in the control group who continued their normal diet, which was higher in fat. Okay. Um, so the the breaking news is, you know, that, that this is the first large randomized clinical trial to show that diet can reduce the risk of dying from breast cancer.
1: ASCO is a, is a great forum that really does provide us with uh, the latest and greatest of uh, information from a, a research perspective around cancer and treatment of it. Lastly, Carolyn, with the little time that we have left, I want to talk about sugar a little bit. We actually have a resource on the Health, Hope, and Inspiration page called Cancer-Fighting Recipes. This resource gives recipes of foods that people can prepare for cancer patients or just healthy eating at large. One of the things that I've learned is that some of those recipes call for sugar as one of the ingredients, particularly for some of the desserts. I've gotten a little pushback from some people in our audience who say you can't eat sugar because sugar feeds cancer. Why are you offering recipes or why are we offering recipes that in some cases have sugar in them? First of all, is that true? Does cancer feed off of sugar? And should cancer patients completely and absolutely try to avoid eating sugar? Help set the record straight with regard to that.
2: Sure, I'll try to. Anyhow, um, I mean, it, it is true in the in in the sense that cancer cells um, need sugar just like every other cell in our body okay. needs sugar, uses sugar. Um, so, you know, the the problem is you can't selectively starve the bad cells without also affecting the healthy cells. Um, so that that's the challenge we get into, and we we don't have. Um, evidence of a direct link between um, sugar and cancer, or, okay. you know, sugar causing cancer in humans, um, there is an indirect link. So we, we know that eating, and again, it, it comes comes down to um, amounts. So we know that, you know, potentially eating too much sugar or too many calories from sugar uh, may lead to weight gain. So we know sodas are the number one source of sugar in the US diet and are linked with weight gain, you know, desserts, baked good condiments. Um, so that that being said, you know, I'm certainly not advocating for a lot of sugar in the diet. We don't, you know, we 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 eat whole grains, fruits, and vegetables, beans. those all break down to sugar, hmm. um, you know um for ourselves. Um, but, you know, we I, I, we all like to enjoy. Um, you know, I shouldn't say we all, but many of us like to enjoy, um, you know, desserts and baked goods um, every now and then. So, uh, you know, a a small amount in the context of an otherwise healthy diet um, should be fine. We have no evidence to suggest it's not.
1: So um, the conclusion of the matter, as I just heard it, is that if there is a recipe that may uh call for uh, sugar in some cases to be part of that ingredient, there are two things to think about. The point that was just previously made, that sugar in small levels uh, is, is something that, that basically is fine. But the other element that uh, you didn't say, and I think that maybe it's worth saying here, is then basically substitute sugar for uh, other type of natural sweeteners with regard to certain recipes. Would that be a fair statement?
2: Uh, sure. Yeah, Absolutely. As an alternative or, yeah, experimenting with um, fruits and fruit juices, applesauce, um, a- absolutely. And by no means, you know, do people have to eat, um, you know, sugar or, or things made with sugar. Um, but, uh, yeah, you hit it. It's the amount and the portion, you know. So um, if you make a recipe that's, you know, for eight people, but, you you know, you eat the entire um pie, uh, that, then we're, then we're dealing with that indirect issue and calories and weight gain. So, okay. but yeah, absolutely. Experimenting with, um, you know, more natural or, you know, fruit, fruit-based sugar, you know, f- sugar from fruits,
1: honey, and that sort of thing.
2: Uh, you know, I mean, they're more, they're, I guess they're, they're more natural. Okay. Um, yeah, it, I mean, many of these are still sugar. Okay. Um, so, we, we still want to limit the amount of them we consume and yeah, the portions of foods from them. Absolutely.
1: Okay. And, and with the last word of the day, cause we're done, our time is up. What would be your last overarching comment that you would make, uh, to, uh, the audience that's listening, cancer patients, caregivers, et cetera, with regard to lifestyle factors, any other additional point that you'd like to make, uh, on this subject specifically as we close.
2: I, I would again because I recognize much of this is easier said than done. I, I, I would recommend, um, you know, if you're thinking about making some changes and and you know maybe some of this resonated from a standpoint of the, the why for, from a health perspective, um, start with small changes and and build from there because you know depending upon where you are and where you, you know if you're trying to move to a plant focused diet it can be overwhelming. So taking small steps, so said you know meat, meatless day a week. Um, small bursts of activity, but taking small steps and building from there.
1: Well, thank you. Today, you've just heard from Carolyn Lammersfield, who is the vice president of integrative care services at Cancer Treatment Centers of America based out of the Chicagoland area, uh, has, has been in the field of oncology as a licensed uh, nutritionist and uh, dietitian for well over 20 plus years. Uh, and my dear friend, thank you, dear. Love you and uh, appreciate you always and your contribution to the show. Take care.
0: What an informative conversation. Our thanks to Carolyn and to you, Percy. Thanks so much. Now, you mentioned cancer-fighting recipes there. We're going to give more information to our listeners about that in just a moment. With hospitals in Atlanta, Chicago, Philadelphia, Phoenix, and Tulsa, Cancer Treatment Centers of America takes an integrative approach to cancer care. They use conventional medical treatments to attack the disease while helping patients manage side effects and maintain their quality of life by using evidence-informed therapies like nutrition and naturopathic support, along with pastoral care. Care, pain management, and other supportive care services. Treatments are tailored for each patient's specific needs. Visit our website at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Click on Sponsor to learn more about Cancer Treatment Centers of America or contact one of their friendly oncology information specialists about questions you may have about your treatment options by simply calling 866-712-HOPE. That's 866-712-H-O-P-E. Our website for more information is healthhopeandinspiration.com. And at that website, Percy, this uh, resource is available free right now, Cancer Fighting Recipes.
1: Believe it or not, Wayne, it is probably the most popular uh, resource that we have made available out of 20 plus, maybe 30 uh, downloadable resources that people have requested. Uh, And I think it's because of the fact that... uh, when we talk about food and eating and, and diet- dietary dynamics, it is probably one of the most common dynamics that's associated with all human activity. And so, this resource will be very helpful with regard to possible meal uh, preparation uh, and serving certain meals that may be more uh, or less uh, suitable for cancer patients. And the caveat here is that we have some desserts there uh, that may have some uh, recipes that also include sugar, mm-hmm. but where there is a sugar ingredient uh, please know that you can substitute sugar out for other natural sweeteners and etc but again at the end of the day uh, it's, it's suggested recipes that hopefully will help people with regard to eating and foods that may be of benefit from a cancer-fighting perspective
0: yeah, I tell you very sensible suggestions there from Carolyn and you Percy thank you so much you know I'm in the middle of making some changes of lifestyle changes myself yeah I'm not a cancer patient but I need we all need to make these changes don't we we do
1: well what it is at the end of the day is that we all simply have to take ownership of the fact that the human body is very dynamic and that our human body is susceptible to the environment that it's within and one of the things that contribute to those dynamics is diet uh, and lifestyle choices that we make that has a a potential cumulative effect later on down the line and that's where I think uh, when we try to really embrace and understand that we didn't get where we are just overnight that there is a cumulative effect then we have to start looking at how do we reverse some processes but in order to do that we first have to take ownership and yep. be aware of things that we need to say I need to be responsible and see if I can do better in this area
0: yeah. Well I personally thank you and Carolyn today Alright our resource free of charge is Cancer Fighting Recipes you'll find that at healthhopeandinspiration.com you can also subscribe to this podcast yes. there but when you subscribe to the podcast take an extra step go to iTunes and leave a review of this podcast to let others know of, of what's going on here and the benefit that you get so that they will listen and subscribe.
1: Please share the good word if this program is of value to you, and we pray that it is. Uh, we hear and get responses back. We would love for you to share that response and let other people know of what uh, has benefited you and how potentially it may benefit them. So please leave us a review.
0: That scripture you read at the beginning of the program today, it was so helpful and so right on, spot on, yeah. as they say. Let's let's return to it.
1: Well, again, you know, uh, if, if this doesn't put you in a place where you have to take a good look in the mirror, I'm not sure what will. But our spiritual nugget is found in 1 Corinthians, the sixth chapter, verses 19 and 20. And it says this, Don't you know starts right off the bat by asking a question. And if you don't know, now, you know, (laughs) don't you know that your body is a temple or the temple of the Holy Spirit? who is in you. We talk a lot about as believers and Christians, I've got the Holy Spirit, I've got the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God lives within me. Well, if that is true, the question to be asked is, are we aware of the condition of the body or the temple that the Spirit of God is living in, and what shape is it in? It says that the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God. So then it helps us to understand our bodies are not ours, that they belong to someone else. So that means there's a responsibility you are Not your own for you Were bought praise God at a Price so glorify God how well I want to glorify God <laughs> Wayne well how how can I glorify God Reverend with your, McCray? with very body Well you can glorify him with what you do with Your body so glorify God With your body today. We want to encourage and challenge everyone, including ourselves. Thank you for sharing today, Wayne, even your journey, that we need to do something with our bodies and take ownership of it. That's part of our spiritual service unto God.
0: Great. Well, we have to sign off for now, but we'll be back next time with another episode of Health, Hope, and Inspiration. And if you, uh, you know, a lot of information here today, if you need to hit replay, and go back and listen again. That's the beauty of this. Absolutely. You can do that. Yes, so, sir. Thanks for listening to Health, Hope, and Inspiration. And Percy, thank you. God bless you. God bless you.
1: And remember, keep chopping
0: the wood. We've got work to do. See you next time for Health, Hope, and Inspiration.